When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, bringing the hottest breaking stories from the Camp No. I'm Dan Hilton, as always, joined across the ocean by Frances Tomas, as you've formerly seen his work on ESPN or The Guardian. But now, of course, you know him and I from the Barcelona Podcast, which is currently in your ears right now. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you've got an iPhone, please subscribe via iTunes. If you've got an Android, it's Google Play. And of course, we're on Spotify, too. It's five stars, which would be great. And you can follow us on the show notes. Just go down in your show notes and give us a nice little review there. We're also on social media on Twitter at the Barcelona Pod or Hilton D13 for me. And on Instagram at the Barcelona Pod. All that said, Frances, what's going on today? In episode 57 of the Barcelona podcast, we're going to be covering many different topics. First, we're going to start with La Gran Pregunta, and we're going to cover which players should be sold, should be kept, or should be loaned out this January transfer window before it finishes. Then we're going to move on. I'm really, really excited about um, bringing an interview with my brother. Um, I keep talking about him pretty much every week. And uh, I managed to convince him to have an interview. Um, his English is not the best, but then again, he really does try very hard. So I really do hope that that interview brings also value. He's been in, he was in Barca's system for several years. And hopefully that is something that you're interested in listening today. And we're going to finish with a quick round of listener questions. The Barcelona Podcast 57 starts right here. So let's start right there with La Gran Pregunta. Who should Barcelona sell, loan, keep, or January? And we've made a list 
of those players that you'd have to say are up for that kind of nomination, where, of course, Lionel Messi is not on the trading block right now, not on the transfer rumors. Neither is Luis Suarez, Gerard Piquet, Margarita Ter Stegen, Umtiti. You know the people who aren't going likely to be sold or loaned in January. So the ones we're talking about, starting with Arda Turan, who's the one done deal of all of these, a two-year loan. Two-year loan to Metapol Basa Kahir. 36 appearances, five goals since 2015. He signed with Vidal in that summer, of course, and had to wait until the transfer ban was over to play. And it's never worked out. The positives here, while it is just a loan for two and a half years, the next two and a half years, we should say, Barcelona can still sell him to any other club and gain a profit with then Medipol Basaksehir getting a portion of that. And again, po- apologies to any of our Turkish listeners. If you think I've butchered Usmani Dembele's name in the past, of course, you haven't seen me say Turkish names until just now. But finally, his wages are off the books, and that's the big story here. And for all the criticism we gave Arda Turan for not playing recently, it's just nice to finally have this one put to bed, Frances. Absolutely. Um, I don't think I could be happier. I did say that for this transfer window, the priority was to offload Turan because the wage bill, as we mentioned in our previous podcast, which I really recommend, after you listen to this one, you tap on your show notes and you go back to listen to that because we um, covered a lot of very important topics there that you would be interested in. So in terms of Turan eight, and, and you know the wage bill in, at Barca right now, 82% of the income for the year goes on players and that's just unsustainable. Um, Arda Turan, 2 million euros he's going to be getting from Basak Sehia in the next six months, which is great. And then next year, the 4 million euros he was going to be paid, they're going to be um, paid by his new team as well, which is fantastic. You know, obviously being able to sell him would be great. Um, his new Turkish team is going to get either 20 or 25% of a future sale. So, you know, it's in our interest that Durand does really well in that team so that we can sell him on elsewhere and actually get some money back, not just saving his wage, but actually making some profit out of him. And if the Basak Sehia team wins the Turkish league, we'll get 0.3 million euros, which is more than nothing. So all the best to Arda Turan in his new team. I am delighted that we don't have to worry about his wage anymore. So with Arda Turan, that story pretty much just is done and dusted. Now we get to the guys still on the team that are, you'd have to say, on the chopping block. We start with, I think, You'd say the guy with the highest market valuation. And I also want to be very transparent that all of these market valuations are from transfermarkt.com. Of course, it's a German site and that's, and they always have a pretty good idea. And again, these aren't, this isn't an exact science to see what a player is worth, but these are just those valuations on whether or not their stock has gone up or down based on agents, based on what they could be sold with on an open market. Andre Gomes is who we start with. 40 appearances and three goals since 2016. And his valuation since joining Barcelona has gone down from 30 million euro to 22. Now, the one caveat with him, he is one of these players that Ernesto Valverde has recently come out and said, even at at least behind closed doors, that he is trusted and that he will most likely not be sold at least until the summer where the squad is reevaluated. So it looks like Frances Gomes has a place at the club, though. And even though he might get the biggest transfer fee, it looks like it would have to wait for the summer. Definitely. And also, we can't forget that he's actually playing um, against Real Sociedad on the weekend. He actually played pretty much the whole game um, to, to, to the best of his ability. He didn't have his best, but to be honest, he's a player that Valverde is included in his rotation. He's in his favorite 16 players. You 
obviously have to say. Um, Luis Enrique also saw something in him and uh, he's still young. He's plenty of time to get better. Um, I do realize that he can be infuriating at times because he doesn't always look interested. He's not the guy with the biggest personality at all. But I think that Valverde really values what he adds to the team. And in his eyes, I don't think he's going to sell him on. Me personally, anything around 35 million, which is what we paid for him at the start, uh, would be enough to convince me to let go of him. But I really think he's going to be staying. Well, speaking of guys in the plans, Paco Alcacer, at least before his injury a few weeks ago, was playing, was finally hitting his form. He's had 28 appearances and eight goals since 2016. And his market valuation has gone from 25 to 18. But of course, he went from being a starter for Valencia and one of the most promising young Spanish forwards to being a bench player at Barcelona. But again, he's found his stride before his injury and hopefully he can come back and do that. And while players usually aren't sold or loaned or anything like that while they're injured, that makes it even less likely that Paco Cather will see his way out during January. So, Frances, I say this is another one that you probably are not going to expect to see. We're probably not going to sell him, no. But um, I would say if we sign him for 25 million, if I get 25 million in the bank right now and we can save his wage, then that is someone else that I would be more than happy to to wave goodbye to. Uh, we've got Coutinho injured, coming back soon. We've got Dembélé now injured again for the next three weeks, which is not great. But, you know, in a month's time, they're both going to be healthy again. And I think between Coutinho, Dembélé, Suarez and Messi... They've got the upfront bit of the team sorted. And if anything else was needed, I think Jose Arnaiz from Barca B has proven his worth already. And I just don't see why Alcácer fits in the puzzle. So anything around 25 million euros for Alcácer, for me, it's a definite sell. Let's go over two other guys that most likely won't be leaving. Denise Suarez, who we saw come on as a sub against Real Sociedad. 18 million euro valuation for that player, 37 appearances and three goals since 2016. And while you'd have to say, Frances, his stock has certainly lowered, particularly with the signings of Dembele and Coutinho, and that's certainly going to slash into the minutes of Denis Suarez. And he may not find a place at the club over the summer. It still sounds like Ernesto Valverde wants him to be in that same realm of Andre Gomes, where he's one of those bench players, game in and game out, and can be relied on to come in. But I would still sell him. I'm sorry, that probably sounded very negative today, but I think Denis Suarez has had more than enough time and he's been given plenty of opportunities to show his worth. And to be fully and totally honest, I know there's a lot of people that expect him to become the next Iniesta for some reason, but he's just not showing it. And he's not someone who is 20 or 21 years old. I think he's 25 years old now. And at 25, he really should be having a much bigger impact than what he's shown so far. So any any offers around the 25 million euro mark, for me, it's a goer. I think if, if Gomez is not going to leave, then I think Suarez needs to. I think we can keep both of them. And based on Valverde's doing of late, I think Gomez is the one that's chosen to stay. And I don't really have that much hope that Denis Suarez is going to be offering what people expect of him. For for me, someone else who needs to be sold. And please know that I'm not saying loaned out because he's been loaned out and played for different teams in different occasions. I think what we need now is money in the bank and money off our wage bill. Well, not to correct you, but Denis Suarez just turned 24, but still the point is made. He is in his mid-20s. And, you know, I've defended him for a long time, but it's this is not even me saying it. The writing is certainly on the wall with Coutinho coming in. Denis Suarez is never going to have the time on the field at Barcelona 
to reach any potential. And as you said, and I agreed with this, that there is no next Iniesta, that Denis Suarez wasn't going to be the next Iniesta, but him being a starter at Barcelona, it went at the beginning of the season to, we'll say, what, 20% that was going to happen, 30% that could happen, but now that's basically down to zero. And he's a player that, at least the way the squad is built under Valverde, and we'll talk about this at the end when we go through all the names, that I feel with Suarez that, I think he's one that you revisit again over the summer to sell. And so I think now I'd say that, you know, he's a part of the squad and he's a, he adds depth when needed. You don't know who's going to get injured. And then over the summer, I'd say you reevaluate and certainly he should be on the way out then as you try to reinforce the squad again in the center of the midfield in particular. So moving on to another guy that, again, I, I don't think he's going to be leaving this winter time. That's Jasper Sillison. His only got a 9 million euro valuation. Of course, he's a backup goalkeeper, only played five appearances this season. He's always pretty good when he gets out there. He's certainly one of the best backup keepers in all of Europe. You can tell he's a, a full international with the Netherlands. He's their number one. Even though they're not going to the World Cup, the Netherlands, of course, still a force in Europe, as well as being the number one for so many years for Ajax over in the Netherlands, obviously. And so Sillison, I think, again, he's a guy that if he wants more playing time next season, probably sell him on over the summer and reinforce with another backup. But again, God forbid Marc-Andre Ter Stegen would get injured. What do you do then? And that's the point. I think that having a second goalkeeper who is an international, who has pretty much done a fantastic job every single time he's been trusted. Um, he's not complained to the media about not playing. Then again, he probably expected that being behind Ter Stegen, who arguably is in the top three goalkeepers of the world right now. And I would say if Silasen wants to stay, I'm more than happy to keep him. Um, he's a team player, obviously making Ter Stegen better on a weekly basis during training. And I think as long as he wants to stay, I'm happy for him to stay here. Obviously, regular listeners know I'm a big fan of La Masia. You've got um, Ortola coming through the ranks quite strongly. So I think that maybe in the summer, if he decided to go, e.g. he did a fantastic um, end of season and he had some suitors by then, then it would be it would be something that would make Barca earn some money. And if you trust La Masia players, that can only have a great effect moving forward. So I would say in this current transfer window, we keep Silasen, or I would anyway. Well, we are going to switch gears to a guy that is certainly gone, and we'll talk about his career again at a, at a future time. But right now we're just strictly talking about money coming in and money going out. So Javier Mascherano, more than 200 appearances for the club. And of course with Yuri Mina, now officially at Barcelona, he's officially a Barcelona player. It seems like Mascherano, having scored that one goal from the penalty spot in 2017 against Osasuna, he's going to take that one goal and head to China for to most likely Habai Fortune for the resounding sound of 10 million euro. So that's just, again, 10 million euro of money in the bank for a guy in his mid-30s who, as you say, he's not playing right now, so you'd want him to play. And I think whether or not he's playing, he's going to the World Cup for Argentina over the summer. But again, I think he just still wants to be in form and be prepared to make one final hurrah on the international stage. And again, he's been such a good servant for Barcelona. And I think we'll break down his career a little farther when this one goes official. Yeah, and it is not official yet. And, you know, I'm probably a bit too wary, but until I see the official confirmation from the fcbarcelona.com website, I don't tend to believe anything. Obviously, we just signed Jerry Mina, which I think is a good move. Um, and that, in a way, says that Mascherano is definitely leaving. But it hasn't happened yet. If he does go to China for 10 million euros, 
having given all the service that you just explained, I think that's a good move as well. Um, I would honestly, personally, have kept him until the end of the year and sold him in the summer. But then again, we know the Chinese um, windows are different and the season in China starts now. So it's only fair that if that's where he wants to go and get his great big last contract, then then we can do that. But at least we're making 10 million euros out of a player that would have probably left on a free in the summer. So um, good move in a way, although I'm really sad about it. Rafinha, 48 appearances and eight goals since 2011. He had a successful loan to Celta de Vigo in the 2013-14 season and his current market valuation is 15 million euros. Now, of all the guys here to leave in January... As the final one we'll talk about too, I guess we'll do this in tandem with Gerard Delafeu. Nine appearances, one goal this season, who's gone from 12 million euro to 14 million euro valuation. Those two guys are the most likely to leave Frances. And the reason I do them in tandem is that they were both guys that were brought up through the system. But for Delafeu, it's been both injuries and just not seemingly able to play the way Barcelona need to play and not being that high class of player that Barcelona desire to win games game in and game out and Rafinha on the other side just hard luck done by by injuries and even though he's gotten the medical green light he's still not in the squad so it seems like the writing is on the wall that Rafinha will be leaving the club most likely this winter again what 80 percent 90 percent chance that he'll be heading out and Rafinha has been again such a good servant He's still in his early 20s as well, so he does have some more time to try to reach his potential. But he's certainly a guy, I think, that on off the bench, at least, Frances, while center midfield is seemingly so deep now that uh, Coutinho has signed, I think Rafinha, that's one that hurts, and you wish that he could have turned into a better player than he wound up being. Just And again, not on any fault of the talent he has, but just because of the injuries that were that were hard done by. But I think, I, I think not to put, take words out of your mouth here, but in the case of Rafinha, while I'd love to loan him because you don't want to lose a player that has the high ceiling that he does, Barcelona do kind of need the money. So I think you do have to wind up selling on Rafinha, which again is something that I don't like, but I think is a necessary evil. I agree. I think both players, uh, we wish them all the best and we're happy that they've gone through our ranks. Obviously, both Rafinha and Deulofeu, they've been playing for different teams throughout their careers. Obviously, um, Rafinha in terms of Celta and Deulofeu in terms of Milan, Everton and even Sevilla at some point. Um, I would be very unhappy that they are leaving because I would have liked them to realise the dreams of succeeding at the Camp No. But unfortunately, given the way the team is going, I mean, we're unbeaten. We are 19 points ahead of Madrid, 9 points ahead of Atletico Madrid, 11 points ahead of Valencia. Um you know, you've got a first 11 that doesn't include Dembélé or Coutinho. You've got Sergio Roberto or Semedo. One of them doesn't really start. Um, you know, if you're going to be winning trophies this season with 16, 15 players that don't include either one of those two, then there's a plus to requirements and they have to go. I think that um, Rafinha is very likely to go to Inter Milan. Um, it's been reported in the Catalan media that there is an offer of loan for the rest of the season and then Inter actually wants a buy-out clause. So, you know, for them to be buying the player at the end of the loan for 20 million and Barca is actually saying they want 25 for him. Um, but that is pretty much done. In terms of Del Lufeo, um, I know there are several teams from Italy that are chasing his services. I think if we can get 15 million euros for, for him, that would be great. Um, quite likely Napoli is going to be the destination, but it could even go back to Milan and that changes on a daily basis. Let's just see where we are at the end of the transfer window. But I think both players 
um, have the days counted at the count now. And looking, I think, to wrap this all up, Frances, looking at the names that are viable to be leaving the club, I think there's a lesson to be learned here. And the Sky Sports guys actually talked about this on, on the La Liga Weekly podcast. And the lesson here is that the bench really should be filled out. And again, this has been the policy that our podcast has spoken about many, many times, that you have to spend money. If you're going to be a Barcelona, a Bayern Munich, a Real Madrid, if you're going to be one of those top five to 10 teams in the world, you have to spend now major money on the transfer market to bring in some of the best players in the world for your starting 11. But that said, I think Barcelona have learned that Andre Gomes, if, if he's not going to be an instant starter, you can't really spend 35, 40 million euro on a bench player. It's just the market won't allow it anymore. And so that's where Barcelona has got to either do what Bayern Munich did, where they loan a player like James Rodriguez from Real Madrid. And he's been obviously on a, I think it's an 8 million per year loan, which is fantastic for Bayern Munich, at least this season. You either do it that way or more likely that's where you rely on your academy because they're just spending too much money on the bench for guys like a Lucas Dinier, who maybe I know that Cucurella wasn't ready, but again, maybe you throw one of your left backs. I think Moises is currently training with the first team sometimes and doesn't even feature for Barcelona B, but there has to be those guys maybe in on, at Celta or not to say Celta is a lesser team, but either on Leganes or Celta or Ibar, there's got to be left backs or right backs or somebody to help supplement your bench that you can get for less than 10 million when for the rare occasion that Jordi Alba isn't going to get a start. And again, you also have to rely on your academy. When Sergi Palencia, the right back, is ready to go, I think Semedo was a great buy for your starting 11. That makes sense. But if Sergi Roberto moves back into the center midfield, we don't need to spend 20 to 30 more million euro on a backup right back behind Semedo. You would just have Sergi Palencia be filling in on the bench. And I think that makes total sense to me. And I think that's what Barcelona have to at least learn from all of this now. That is the policy that I um, advocate for as well. I think, you know, you've got Alanya, Arnaiz definitely should be first teamers next year. And then, because Alanya is incredibly talented, but he hasn't even sort of gotten into the team for the Copa del Rey, simply because you've got people like Andre Gomez, you've got people like Dennis, you've got people like, he's injured now, but it would have been Rafinha ahead of him. And you need to have that tiny, even if it's tiny, that tiny little window of time that you can give to La Masia prospects so that they continue to grow because without that policy, we wouldn't have had any Busquets. We wouldn't have had any Pedro, for example. They were not players that were excelling at Barca B at the time. Obviously, they've gone on to be internationals and in Busquets, particularly in Busquets' case, a Barca legend already. But they weren't really excelling or being anything incredibly special at Barca B, but it was only because they were trusted and given the chance at first team level that they went on to excel. And I think that's something that... Cucurella, Palencia, Alañán, Arnaiz definitely have a chance of doing in the future. But if we've got this sort of second layer of expensive players that never really add anything much, earning that much money, then you have to you have to play them. So I think that next summer should be sort of a total reset, a total rethink of where we're going. We just spent incredible amounts of money on signing Coutinho and Dembélé, that's 300 million altogether. And I think our huge spending should pretty much end there and trust La Masia from now on to get players that are squad players that could eventually become starters themselves. Now, with the Grand Pregunta answered, 
Before we get to La Bolsa, we just want to make note that you've been missing La Bolsa a few weeks, Frances, now, and El Kiosco has been in and out of our show rundown as well for those fans of those segments. And Frances, we do have a little podcast announcement related to those things. We do have an announcement. Um, first and most importantly, my baby girl is doing okay. She's now around 11 weeks, I believe. She cries at night and I don't sleep very much. Um, but <laughs> for all the parents that are listening to, um, to this podcast now, I'm, I'm sure you feel my pain. Um, but basically, we're now in a position in which we're ready to do our second show. However, we just don't have the funds for that because when you host a podcast, you need to pay hosting, um, a hosting fee every month and we just don't have enough money to fund that. So we've got a challenge for you. If we can reach a goal of $100 per month on Patreon, then our second show will be back. At the moment, we're making, I think it's $48 a month and we're incredibly grateful to all our Patreons that support us. But basically, if we can raise the other $52, that would help us with the cost of uh, promotion in terms of social media. And also, it would help us with the cost of hosting the podcast. We've got a lot of ideas for new content. Um, We would promise to bring two shows of no less than 40 minutes each week. And basically, we really just don't have enough funds for that promotion and the hosting. If you go to tvpod.link, forward slash Patreon, that is P-A-T-R-E-O-N, or basically just tap on your iPhone or your device now and just go into the show notes. On the first on the first line, it says support on Patreon. You could go there to check out, basically, if you want to contribute, um, you can start from $3. You can go as high as, I think it's 10 that you can contribute, but you know, just if you can give what you can to bring the show back, that would be good. We will bring back the five-star players of the week. I know that everyone that has been feeding back really enjoyed that section. Um, we would do interviews. It will be longer interviews and we'll be able to bring an interview every single week. Uh, we will have the listener questions. We feel like sometimes we run out of time and we will be able to give more comprehensive answers. We'll actually be able to have even more questions um, on the show as well. And basically, we've got a couple more surprises um, ready for you but then again we need to reach our goal of at least 100 dollars per month on patreon we're currently at 48 so if you could support us towards reaching our goal of 100 dollars, that would be great that's tvpod.link forward slash patreon or just tap on your device now go to the show notes and just go to support on patreon if you are going to support us we really want to thank you in advance and uh literally we couldn't do the show without you if you choose to not support us, then we won't hold it against you. Uh, and we love you anyway. But um, see, we can reach our goal together. Right. So as I said at the start of the show, this is the interview with my brother, Sergio Navarro. And I really do hope you enjoy it. It's an insight into the life of someone who played for Barca for a little while in his career and all the memories that that brought in terms of pressure, in terms of family and in terms of moving forward. Enjoy. Right, so I'm honored to be joined by my brother. Um, uh, listeners to the podcast may have realized that I keep talking about it all the time. And um, he came over to visit from Barcelona this weekend. And we've basically, he's agreed to have an interview with me, although we've spoken to each other for over 30 years. Sergio, how are you today? Yeah, fine, fine. Good, good, good. Um, so as listeners know, Sergio used to play for the Barca Youth Systems 
for I think it was a year and a half uh, when he was younger and he was teammates with Andres Iniesta and many other players that went on to have a great career as he did. So um, today he's going to tell us all about it. So Sergio, what is it like to play for Barca when you're younger? Well, it's a, it's a good, good moment uh, for, all the, for all the people that, that they, they know you. And it's a, a privilege. It's a privilege to play for the, the team that you, are, you have in, in your heart. Okay. So did the other players in the team make it easy for you? Well, it's not, to, not too much because uh, there's a lot of uh, competitive and a lot of players. Everybody wants to play for Barca, so it's, it's not so easy. Okay. How are the coaches, the managers? Well, the managers, I, I don't remember so much uh, to the, in the managers because uh, they always was uh, depending on the great players that were there and the, the, the rest of the players that we were there. So we, we, we have to try to play as better as, as we can. Okay. So <laughs> you had also memories there. What is your favorite moment, your favorite memory? during your time at Barca when you were playing for the youth system? My favorite moment is when we play the, the Canal Plus tournament uh, that was in 1996 uh, in, in Madrid uh, that we play an international tournament uh, against Madrid, uh, Milan and other European teams. Uh, Everton, I remember, in, in England. Yeah. Uh, Benfica. Uh, was a great moment. Okay, how? Why was it that great? Why do you remember it so, so fondly? Because twenty years ago, uh, we don't, we didn't have so recorded matches, and the, this kind of tournaments were the first that uh, they were in television, and they were more publicity, and and uh, and diaries, and all all of these media. Okay, so. While you were playing in Madrid, how was your family? I mean, I was part of your family and still am, obviously. But how did your family react? Did we put any more pressure on you? Uh, did you feel that we were supportive? What was your thinking? Yeah, I, I feel that I was supportive because they, uh, they traveled to Madrid and they were with me all the time and in every match. And it was a good moment. Okay. So playing for Barca, obviously, everyone in school knew you played for them. Everyone in the football team obviously did. People that you played with before, teammates, um, also knew that you were sort of hitting the big time playing for Barca. So how did that make you feel? Did you have any privileges? Did you have anything that you could do because you were a Barca player? Did they give you any money to play for them? Did they give you anything like that? Any free tickets, anything like that? Yeah, um Playing for Barca, uh, they were they give you some privilege like uh, free entrance to to the stadium uh, to see every match with another with another invitation or or entrance uh, for a partner or or, or family. Also, uh, we have a, sal a small salary and. For, for kids, because we, we were kids. We were kids. Uh, 13, 14 years old, to have your first salary is 
something to remember. Yeah, it was, it was. Um, I was lucky to go with you to a lot of the games in the Camp Nou. Is there any you remember? Yeah, uh, I remember the because the the year that I will I will play for Barca was the the year of Ronaldo Nazario, and I remember the match against Valencia mm -hmm. that uh, he made a hat trick, and it was it was beautiful to see all the all the season there. Yeah, good. So, do you remember how we used to get into the Camp Nou? Because obviously we had the invitations, but our tickets were for the third tier all the way, basically at the very top of the Camp Nou. But I think we watched two games up there and every other game we were close to the grass at the front. Um, can you tell our listeners what we did? <laughs> well, my, my, brother and my brother seems to, seems to be me. Oh, yeah. and and I, I I get into the stadium as a as as, as the little brother that uh, doesn't know how to how to speak or how to do in there. So really, my, my brother was uh, who played for Barca. Yeah, so I pretended to be you basically. Yeah, yeah. and uh, we were very very sneaky, and you always went in with some grandpa. That was basically putting you in. And we had our seats, didn't we? We had two, two given seven, I don't know if you remember. We had the same two seats every game for the season. And then against Real Madrid, the people who actually paid for the seats came and they kicked us out. Um, yeah. And we had to sit on the stairs. And we had to change change places or, or sit down in the stairs. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. So is there anything you would change about your time at Barca? I don't know. I Maybe... I will change maybe the time to to enjoy part of the of the of the sport uh, instead of only thinking about if I'm going to play more minutes or less minutes. Uh, this is one thing that I I will change. Well, I, I I changed in the past. Okay, so do you think you got to Barca too early? You were not old enough, or maybe yes, because. There's a long, long, long time uh, since you you get uh, into the club, and there is there is maybe seven, eight years that you have to be there uh, until you get professional. So maybe it's too much years to stay in a club that is uh, in 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 a country level is the the, the first one. Mm -hmm. And in European levels, uh, they pick up kind of players uh, in other in other teams, and it's very difficult because it, the, from one year uh, to the next year, maybe are five, six players that continue, all the rest are renewed. Yeah, yeah, uh, they're very <coughs> demanding with the amount of people that they keep, and they're very in a way heartless um, with the children, they don't really think too much about what's behind them, it's just they just want to get the best players every single year and sometimes two players that are at the same level, they have to make the choice, isn't it? So would you say you enjoyed being at Barca then? Were you happy then? Well, uh, I can say that I played for Barca happy. I don't remember the, that year and a half uh, a happy time. It's, it's good because that year I made something big, but uh, I don't remember of enjoying the match as or the games. Um, 
as I did uh, the rest of the years, I play not for Barca, for other teams. Okay, we're gonna get to that in a minute, but how did you feel when Barca said you were not needed anymore? Well, I was 14 and it was, it was hard to think about it because mm, you have in, the, in your mind that it's the only, the only possibility uh, to get professional. And when you are playing for Barca, you think that you are gonna uh, be professional, or you are maybe not playing for Barca, but for another teams that are in first division. And when they release you, so it's it's a it's a bad moment. I remember I I, I cry in the in the car, uh, coming coming go, going home, and well, I remember that. Yeah. But then you had a really good career after. Well, well, what happened? I, what happened next? What yes, did you do after? I, I, well, I, I went to to another another well to Granollers. It's a city of fifty hundred people, and I played there for six seven years, and I have been playing then in amateur football mm-hmm. in in the third division in in Spain. And also second division mm-hmm. uh, from one, for for one year, and I enjoy the, the this these years I, I have played in Catalonia. Okay, so out of all the years you played after, which was a lot of them, uh, which was your favorite year? Because you played in Granollers and you got promoted there. Yeah. Um, while you were playing at youth level in Granollers, you were captain a lot of the times. I remember you with you with Barça four 0 Mm-hmm. Um, I remember going in the train to watch you play that day, and uh, Iniesta was defeated four 0 which was which was enjoyable for us at the time. Um, I remember you went to Gabán, you played in Segunda División B, and you played in Tercera División for many many um, years and seasons as well. So out of all of them, which one was your favorite moment? Lots to pick from. I think the, f- the favorite moment is when I when I were I was uh, eighteen. Uh, I play in Granollers, and this that year we play against Mallorca, Valencia, and Barça, Espanyol. That were uh, first division teams, and I remember that year because uh, it was the the year that seems to be m- much more professional than the other years that are in that you are playing in in the in your region and maybe 100 kilometers uh, around but you are not traveling with, with plane or train and that year I remember that was because you are playing for example Villarreal, Levante mm-hmm. and where other teams in, in Spain. Okay so that's very telling um, obviously you have been offered managerial positions now um, there are people that really just want to snap you up because you retired recently. Let me ask you about that first. How come that you've retired now? Because you've been fantastic for so many years. What's happened? Well, maybe uh, with I have a daughter of five years old and next year I'm going to get married with my wife and maybe this is what the, the time uh, of, the, of every day uh, it's difficult, so because the, the the trainings are in the afternoon, 
So maybe falta de tiempo. Lack of time. Lack, the lack of time. So makes makes me to to get this decision. Yeah, but you've done a lot in your career, and your current manager, well, the manager that you basically just ditched and yeah, a month ago, didn't want you to go, and he wants to get you back as a manager. So looking back at, because you work for tens and even hundreds of coaches and managers and assistant coaches and all sorts. Who is the one manager that you really remember very fondly and what did that manager do to help you develop? One manager. I don't know. <laughs> one manager. One manager. Well, I remember one manager in, in, in Granollers that was Galera. He's playing, he's playing as very well the, the, the way to play similar, similar that Barca play and maybe maybe that 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 manager okay the, the, the one that i remember so do you think playing like barca play is the right way to play so if you became a manager say tomorrow would you try and play the barca way or would you change it would you be defensive well i think that barca uh, barca kind of game of playing uh, can do it because it has very very good players and much more better players than the other team. So if you have much more, you have players that are much better than the other ones, uh, you can play like this style of Barca is playing now. <clears throat> if you don't have, uh, or there's not so so different uh, between the teams, uh, you have to to try to play another kind of systems. Okay, so do you think that's why Valverde is changing the Barca style this season then? I don't, I don't think so. I think that this this style will will change will not change uh, if the the players are that um, are playing for long seasons uh, for long time in in Barca are, are not changed. Uh, until they Piqué, Iniesta, uh, Busquets, until they, they were not these kind of players uh, play there and the system will be very, very similar. Okay, so last question then. Do you think Barca are going to win the treble this season, El Triplete? I don't know. I think so. Uh, I hope Barca win these this, this three, three competitions. Uh, it, it will not be easy uh, because Madrid now in in the in the season uh, maybe that um, is waiting so mm -hmm. for something and and maybe uh, in February February uh, until the end of the season of uh, sure she will be awake and maybe champions or, or another competition uh, would be very competitive. Okay, all right. I hope that they don't wake up. <laughs> I, I hope that they continue sleeping for the whole season and uh, you were right in your prediction when you said yes, there is no reason to think that we wouldn't win. Sergio, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you here today. Yeah, I love you lots and I really do hope you got a nice flight back. And uh, when you get to Barcelona, you'll be able to hear this, this interview online. I'll show you how to find a podcast on your iPhone as well, because you don't even know that. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's great to look back on your career, and it's a pleasure. Thank you very much. Right, I really do hope you enjoyed the interview. Uh, thank you so much to my brother. 
he is very good, isn't he? Let's move to the voice of the people, or La Ronda de Preguntas, the quickfire listener questions. First, before we get to the questions, a little update on Barcelona B. Without a suspended Carlos Alenia, a 1-0 loss to Real via Dolid, shoot, out shooting them 11-6 at home and also playing in what would be described as a 3-4-1-2 or a 3-5-2 without the suspended Alenia. Now, obviously, they are still in the relegation zone, now four points below the line in, in a dangerous spot in the Segunda Division, but they did make two signings, a loan deal for Christian Rivera from Ibar and Martin Hangla from Granada, a promising defensive midfielder and center back respectively who will hopefully help the squad turn things around. So they're in a bad spot, but Barcelona Femini on the opposite side in a really good spot. Two nothing winners over Real Zaragoza, goals by Victoria Losada and Andresa Alves, which means that nothing has changed atop the table. They're still in first tied with Atletico Madrid. And the other thing about Barcelona Femini this week, there's a really good interview with Lecky Martins this week by Natalie Arroyo. You can find that on her Twitter, Nat Arroyo. And that interview is in English. So that's actually why I'm making reference to that interview in particular. It's English. Again, that's at Nat Arroyo. And that's, of course, with Martins, who is probably the, or if not the, the one of the top three most prolific women's players in the world right now. So let's get to the questions now that we've gotten done with the Barca B and Barca Femini update. Starting with the Peña Barcelona of Los Angeles. A lot of criticism for EV before the game for the lineup, and of course that against Real Sociedad. How much trust should we put in him? How responsible is he for our success this season with the lineups and game plans versus the players being in great form? And that's a really good question by the Peña Barcelona of Los Angeles. My take on EV is that he has my utmost trust, Frances. My thought throughout that Real Sociedad game the whole time, especially in the first half even, was that Barcelona are trailing 2 nothing. They're not playing well at all. And yet if any team could wind up overtaking Real Sociedad and beating them at home for the first time since 1930, as in coming back and winning, they haven't done that since 1930 at Barcelona at Real Sociedad, it would be this current squad. And they did exactly that. Put it this way, that game would have been a loss last year. When you're 2-0 two, two down, rainy, horrendous pitch conditions, January, that's a loss. Uh, with Luis Enrique last year, the team just didn't have it in them to come back. But I think they had that great determination to to turn things around. I think the the goal that Paulinho scored right before halftime really did help. Going to halftime with a 2-1 gave, um, gave our team a sort of a glimmer of hope. Um, I'm not quite sure what Valverde said at halftime. And Jordi Alba was listening to the interview on uh, Catalan Radio. And he said, I'm not going to tell you what he said, but we all came back stronger and sort of we, we, we went on for the win. And uh, it basically is one, the win in, in Real Sociedad, in Anoeta, is one of those victories that actually mean potentially a league crown. Uh, I'm very pleased with the result. JDH asks, if we actually have any money at this point, do we think any additional incoming transfer business is required, given how we're playing? Example, Arthur. In short, no. I think that we are covered. Uh, all we need to do now is offload players that are getting paid too much money for not playing very much or very well. And with Coutinho and Dembele, hopefully they can both get healthy soon. Um, and then that's, that's the way forward. I would say definitely not. And that answers Bra Nanaya's question. Is Barca getting Goretzka or Arthur this January? And the answer to that is 
resounding no, I'd say it's about 99% sure that neither of those two players are going to be showing up at the Camp No this January. Now, Arthur, a player that could show up in the summer, who knows, but again, not in January. Rehan asks, should we consider keeping Vidal and Rafina for these window by looking at our busy schedule in January to March? And that's a good point to that kind of goes off of what we talked about in La Grande Pregunta, is that with all of the games, because again, Barca's still in the Copa, Champions League, and everything, is there, we worry if there's enough minutes, but the question is, is there enough ability to rest Messi, Suarez, Umtiti, Alba, Iniesta? And I would say, I think, again, looking at the rotation, when, especially when Coutinho and Dembele are fit, and with Minia now being added to everything, I think there will be enough players. And also, how much weight do we put in La Copa? Because that's one of the downfalls from last season. Our players were fried by the time March came because Luis Enrique used to just trust his 11 players and there was probably a couple of subs that were coming in and out, such as Sergio Roberto, etc. I don't really mind not winning La Copa this year. Uh, what I really would mind is our players to be disastrously tired uh, for the Champions League and La Liga. Obviously, with the league we got in La Liga, I think we could administer that with the players that we currently have. I think Champions League, that needs to be the best 11 playing, uh, minus Coutinho, because obviously he's ineligible. But for La Copa, I'm not I'm not really too bothered. I think that games like that, you can have Arnaiz playing, you can have Alanya playing, you can have, if he does still with us, uh, Denis Suarez, Gomez, and, and players like that. And that I would be fine with that. I think Valverde will be um, clever with the amount of time he's given, and he's very analytical in that sense. And I think that the players that don't start Champions League matches should not really feature in La Copa. All right, speeding up a little bit, Rai asks, does Denise really a Barcelona player in the long run? Does he have the potential? And that answer, I think we already answered, is that he has the potential to be a Barcelona bench player, but I severely don't believe that he has the potential to be a Barcelona instant starter, particularly now that Coutinho and Dembele are in the side. Lecule Chingona asks, what do you guys think about Vermeulen's form so far? Will it be tough for Umtiti to get back in that starting eleven? I want to say La Cule Chingona is one of the best Twitter handles I've ever heard. So congratulations on your choice. Um, Fermanen has been excellent. I think that he literally has been very surprising in terms of the way that he's re- remained healthy. That that for a start. And then obviously he always had the quality. and But with his confidence in terms of his body and in terms of his... Um, ability to show what he can do that's helped him to be an, an integral part of the team and to be honest I think Jerry Mina is going to have to be very good and adapt really quickly to become the third centre-back because I think that third centre-back seems quite cemented with Fermanen right now. Ricky C asked how soon should we start using Roberto in the midfield or would you continue using Sergio Roberto in the back line and I think it doesn't matter what Frances and I think I think Ernesto Valverde believes that he's a right back at least for this squad, and he's been good there, so I don't think you're going to see anything change. Also, don't forget that Sergio Roberto has already given six goal assists this season with his um, preferred destination being Luis Suarez, and obviously Jordi Alba is getting a lot of recognition for what he brings to the team and his connection with Messi, um, everyone's celebrating, and obviously we are as well, but Jordi Alba has given six goal assists as well. So Sergio Roberto and Alba are in six goal assists each, given the fact that as fullbacks at Barca, they're given the whole trust to move forward um, as much as they want and as often as they want as well. And because of that, it's hard to argue that Semedo 
is going to find it hard to get in the team because Roberto is excelling so much in the attacking front. Uh, I personally think Semedo should be the right back and Sergio Roberto move to the middle, but I don't think that's what Valverde's got in mind right now. All right, super speed at this point, we're running out of time. Arsacio asks, how do we fight against this high-pressure tactic that Real Sociedad did so well? And I think the answer to that is you saw Paulinho in the starting lineup, and for teams, particularly in the Champions League and those top teams, Paulinho worked to great effect against Real Madrid, and I think Ernesto Valverde is going to have to take chances with his starting 11, and if Paulinho falls out of form, and not goal-scoring form. I think, again, he's in goal-scoring form, but his control over the midfield might not be exactly what Barcelona might need against high-pressure tactics against the likes of Real Batiste or Real Sociedad. So maybe that's where you see Iniesta getting rotated in. Coutinho, I think, is a player who would do well against that, so I think the answer to that. Another key point to consider is that the current Barca, Valverde's Barca, is actually quite comfortable defending. Um, In terms of Guardiola, Villanova, Defrita da Martino, um, and the predecessors, particularly Luis Enrique, that's not something that we were very comfortable doing, but the way that the players understand the game now, they're more than happy to run and wait behind behind the ball, closing spaces, and I think that that would be a way to hit in the counter and be more effective, and, and that has proven successful so far, and I think Valverde is going to stick to that plan. Kule asked, Gomes, why? What does he add to the squad that we don't already have? He adds a degree of physicality, control, and that's what Valverde has seen. That's what Luis Enrique used to see. And that's probably why he's not going to be sold despite getting so much criticism from the fan base. I'm not the biggest fan myself, but I think that's what the coaches are seeing in him. All right, I've got some easy layups. Menio asked, does it smell like a treble? I'd say not yet. Not yet, no. Uh, it does smell like La Liga is in the back, but obviously 19 more games to play. It's too early to call it. Champions League can be a lottery because, you know, you got a one bad game and you're out. I mean, I see the chances of us having a terrible game, like a 4-0 defeat away, touch boot, um, <laughs> touching the table right now. Um, I don't think it's going to happen, but you never know. And then La Copa... Honestly, I'm not necessarily worried about that. Um, if that is the correct answer to the question, then that's that. Bullseye asks, how do you compare Valverde's first season at this stage with Guardiola's? Well, the first part of La Liga, um, Guardiola's had one of the seasons that was better, but then Valverde is still unbeaten and he's on the top three of the best first rounds of La Liga the club has ever had. And from that perspective, it's a positive. I think beyond that is that the, the team seems much more solid. It's much more confident and, and much more eager to make things happen from a position of defensive consistency. Gashi asks, how do we integrate Dembele in the best possible way? And do you think he'll be a success? And unfortunately, the answer is we don't have to worry about that for a few more weeks. But obviously, he's 20 years old. I think he's going to be a resounding success. Moving over to Facebook. Abdul asks, finally, Coutinho can join Barcelona, but what does that mean for Rakitic? And I think he's a guy that Frances is going to see his minutes cut into, but he plays a different position now. He plays a different role. He's playing much more defensive this year. So I don't think it's going to be Coutinho like for like taking Rakitic's minutes. No, 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 absolutely not. I see Coutinho's inclusion having virtually no effect on Rakitic's time because as Dan just explained, he he adds something different to what Coutinho will bring. I think Coutinho is coming for the Iniesta space at the moment. Um, if you look back at the Real Sociedad game of the weekend, um, there were, with Palinho in one 
wing so it wasn't a wing but it was the hot, sort of the furthest space to the right and the left of the midfield and Gomes at that, in that game as well so I don't really see Rakitic coming out of, of the team for Coutinho to come in Final question from Instagram Madison's Rala asks what are your thoughts on Sergio Roberto's season and to that we've talked about it I think not only has he improved himself defensively and by the smallest margin I think when he started right back he wasn't necessarily an instant starter at that position but he's been at least good enough at the right back spot because even against Real Sociedad they were attacking the left side against Andre Gomes and, and Jordi Alba and you have to say Jordi Alba is one of the best left backs in the world right now at least on the attacking end of things and Sergio Roberto has just held down that right side of the field all year long so far. There are not many culés out there right now who doubt that Sergio Roberto is a first-team player. Uh, I think the debate now is whether he should start as a right-back or further up the pitch, and that is credit to his progression. I'm delighted to say that he's finally arrived this season, and yeah, hopefully he stays with us for years to come, having an even greater impact moving forward. Well, unfortunately, as you've heard, we didn't get to get to all the questions today, and if we didn't get to your question... Again, we refer you back to the announcement Frances made about going on our Patreon, helping out so we can make a second show, where if we're able to make a second show, we guarantee that all an- all questions will be answered at that point. So again, apologies if we didn't get to yours, but this wraps up another show of the Barcelona podcast, bringing the hottest breaking stories from the Camp No. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon, and Forza Barca. Forza. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.